everybody, and welcome to Four Blades in a Pub. We were going to go to the pub tonight because I happen to be in Sheffield, but we didn't. So we're here on Zoom, and I'm John, and I'm joined by Ian. Good evening. Dan. Good evening, everyone. And Phil, who everybody will be delighted to know, has sorted out his sound. Phil. Yeah, yeah nobody needs to be jumping out of the car every time I speak this time. I've invested in some headphones. And we are all eternally grateful, no one more so than the listeners. So another topsy-turvy week in the um, in the life of Sheffield United and Sheffield United fandom. Uh, we had an absolutely drab game against... Can't speak, it was that bad. Uh, a drab game against Rotherham. We've got more news or fake news on the chairman and... We managed to beat the Hollywood megastars the other night. So Rotherham, Ian, you were on a train. Phil, you were flogging trainers, and me and Dan struggled to stay asleep. Do we have anything? Uh, stay asleep, stay awake. Have we got anything more to say on the game? Uh, other than Ian and Phil being in the absolutely right place, um, no, nothing. I thought we were. I thought we were just one-paced and predictable. I get that, you know, they've scored a lot of goals at home and we limited limited them to, you know, to very few chances, blah, blah, blah. But that's not really the sum total of our ambition this season, is it, to stifle Rotherham? Um, yeah, I just, I just thought we were poor. I thought, I thought we never really, never really got going, never looked like we can... We just never seemed to be able to, to get any sort of control on the game. Um, and, yeah, the... I think it's one of those that, like I say, if we get promoted, it'll be one of those that very quickly fades from the memory. And, yeah, I mean, I was just saying before we came on, it seems to be a ground where we don't do awfully well. And if the best memory of being a blade there um, is John Kofi's mishit cross that went in, um, it's probably, yeah, it's not somewhere we look on very fondly. But, yeah, I think that what was so interesting... One thing I would say about the Rotherham game, Bogle could finish his chances that day. We win the game probably one or two nil. And everyone's like, oh, it's a good win in a derby. But it was really like a, um, for me, it was like a, an amplified version of some of the mediocre spells of play we have in the game. Uh, and it just, tend, it was for, for the majority of it. Um, but by contrast, we've had two games against a non-league team and I cannot remember for a long time being as invested in the games as the two Wrexham games, particularly the other night. It was a really, really, really entertaining game of football. And obviously we managed to come out on top just. Um, yeah. How did everyone else find it? I, I found myself, I don't know if it was the fear of embarrassment of losing to somebody in the non-league and the sort of, the sort of like grief you're getting off the pigs or whatever that like made me a bit on edge, but like it was, it was it it was a really engaging game of football to watch. I think that you could visibly see there was a bit of needle in the game during the game, if you know what I mean. I think that's spilled over into some of the press conferences afterwards. Um, but I, I thought we were really good. I thought without creating well said without creating any clear cut chances we did we created quite a lot we just didn't take any of them which has been unusual for us but I, I said after the game 
we could have quite comfortably won that game 7 or 8-1 and I don't think many people would have said it were unfair because we were that good. And the amount of chances we created, was it 32 shots that we had during the game? That's got to be some sort of record for this season for us. And yeah, we probably made harder work of it than we should have, but we thoroughly deserved to win the game. I I thought similar. I mean, I think it was about half an hour in, I looked at the possession stats saying this has got to be 70% plus. I think it was 76 to 24% at that stage. You know, by the end of the match, I think it was more like 65, 35. But that is a dominant performance. Like you say, we had 30, 32 shots. We should have had a penalty as well, a clear-cut penalty on top. I'm sure we'll come on to talk about the refereeing at, at some point, or lack of refereeing. But I found it astounding driving home that Matthew Upson on Five Live said that Paul Eckenbottom will be disappointed that after a good first 20 minutes, United didn't dominate that match. And, 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 Absolute and, rubbish. I agree with you, Phil. We, we we could have won it six seven one, and 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 actually there could have been few. Well, there would have been complaints because there were a bunch of Maori asses, but there'd have been there should have been few complaints because you know it, it was a, it was it's like we've seen for you know for quite a lot of the season we were we didn't take the chances when they presented themselves. You know there was the chance for clear chance for McAtee first half. There was the Amhodzic. I didn't realize it was him at the time. I couldn't see in the from my sort of viewpoint, but. The, the Amhodzic chance that, that hit Leighton on the legs, there was the sharp chance to make it 2-0 before they even got that first penalty. You know, symptomatic of how we played, but I thought we played it around really well. And with the changes we made as well, you know, you've got Basham and Osborne at wing-backs. You know, you've got Koulibaly making, I think, his first start, who looked really accomplished. I, I was really pleased with how we played. There was a lot to be happy with in the performance from chances created to to the people who came in. Um, I thought Osborne played pretty well, actually, and he's, you wouldn't know that looking on Twitter. Uh, he got dogs abuse after Rotherham, and he got dogs abuse after the first Wrexham game. I think he'd been thrust in, playing in all these different positions after a lengthy, lengthy layout. Now, I don't think Osborne's contract gets renewed in the summer, but I think the guy should at least have a little bit of slack. And you look at the bench of the night, it's not like we had many other options without throwing kids into that game. Cooley Valley, apart from that attempted Rabona in the second half, had a really, really good game. And the fact that he got himself booked by basically being a bit of a prick as well to Mullen, quite like that. I think I think sometimes we don't have it. I don't think we have that much niddle in our side. And I think it was it was great. And I think it's a bit of a broken record, me saying this, but I thought Robinson was really, really good and just what we needed that we didn't have in that first leg. Yeah. Yeah, that that, that tackle that United have put out on social media today, that kind of sums him up, really. Um, you know, he, he loves a tackle. He's as hard as iron. Um, and that we, in a game like that, you do need a player slash players like that to, to, to put a tackle in and, and put themselves about because... The one thing a non-league side are going to have, if we're calling them a non-league side, is they're going to work hard and they're not going to be easily intimidated. So you need to make sure you stand up to to what they've got. It's it's strange, really. All the, the kind of noise that's coming out after about us saying they didn't respect us and, and stuff like that. Ordinarily, this would be the other way around. Ordinarily, it would be the non-league side that have 
turned over a, a football league side, a championship side, a Premier League side, saying they didn't respect us. They thought they were through. You know, they thought they had to just turn up to beat us. It's a really odd. It's not something I've ever seen before. Where the, the, there's a lot of arrogance around them, though. Yeah, isn't there? and it's not something I've ever seen before. Where the league side, the, the bigger side, the larger side, are accusing the smaller side of arrogance. It's 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 odd. I'm not sure I've ever seen it like before. I think they're so accustomed to to winning, to expecting to win. I think there's an arrogance amongst their support. We I saw some of it beforehand, as some of them marched up Shoreham Street. Um, and on Cherry Street, I, I, I think there's an arrogance in some of those players who are taking the money when they could be playing at a higher level and potentially achieving something bigger with their careers, that they're a bit above it. And for whatever Toza said, he was giving it the big one to fans as he went to take a throw in. Mullin, despite, I watched the re- replay, Matafei saying, oh, Mullin's got his hand cupped to the Wrexham fans trying to G them up. No, he had his hand cupped to us because... We're booing him off, the diving twat. You know, I think it, it, there's, there's something about them. I, there, I think I've, I've been watching the documentary. I think there's a lot to admire about the way Reynolds and McElhenney's gone about investing in the club, in the community, and the setup and everything they're doing there. Actually, the people who come out of the documentary really poorly are some of the supporters on there. And I think we've just seen it amplified this week. Yeah, I mean, also, I think the biggest the biggest problem at that club is the fact the manager's a fucking prick. He's always been a fucking yeah, yeah. Wherever he's been, and he's he's had success. You even see him on that documentary. He's a but he's he's a, he's old school. He's a bully. He's 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 a kicking he's a kicking uh, kicking chase it merchant. Just thugs at the back. Play it to someone half decent in one of the channels. He did that when he went up against us when he had a Bolton manager and they bottled it that day. Sharp scored against him then. And people talking about him having um, class and dignity in the way he conducted himself. He called Billy, he, he, he did the exact same Billy Sharp that Billy Sharp did. He just did it without any sort of like, well, Billy Sharp was quite funny. Parkinson just was a Mardi to going, and people going, oh, such dignity. He was, he was having a go. I'm a Hodzich after the second or third goal went in, and he was having a go have a word with him again quite vehemently after the final whistle. Now Hodzich obviously there was a shot of him getting up and celebrating. I don't think he got in the Wrexham squad's faces or anything like that. He was just up celebrating off the bench. You know, the scary thing with Parkinson is we were that close, I think, to having him as manager when we appointed Wilder. And if, if we hadn't so, yeah. used to go for Wilder, we, we could have had Parkinson in charge and we'd be. God knows where we'd be. I mean, we could have made a fortune instead of having Brayford masks in club shop. We could have just had scrotum masks in club shop. <laughs> you can get, as you know. Uh, but, yeah. Like, honestly, Brayford masks, jeez. I tell you what, you know, where you bring up Hammer Hodzic, him celebrating doing the Sun celebration when he scored is absolutely fucking fantastic. <laughs> well, they, they clearly that's been printed and put up at training ground. That's been discussed. Yeah. Because, 100%. Right, there's no, and I think it probably, I think that in Sharp interview was the first time I've actually seen him and thought, yeah, maybe you would not necessarily, I'm not suggesting for us anytime soon, but you got that touch of the Wilder about him when Wilder had been pissed off and we'd won. 
and sort of first time I actually saw Sharp as a manager, the way they conducted that interview. Not particular. I don't think Sharp will be a very popular manager. He seems to rub people up the wrong way. Obviously, we all love him, but like, parking. I think your manager sets the tone, and I think some of our best performances are a bit more of the ecking bottom. The sort of under, like the, some of the good players, like the sort of understated. We we'll play if we play our game, we're probably going to win this. He always seems pretty calm, ecky on the sidelines. Whereas Parkinson, they're at it and the commentary saying, oh, he's kicking every ball. Yeah, he's probably showing off because he knows he's being filmed constantly. His job is just I think there probably is an element of that now. And I think I think that that noticeably crept into both our games uh, from the officials. So they know. We've I've seen it before when I've watched the Amazon documentaries, and you see players they're clearly playing up to the camera. Even though they're pretending they're not, you know, when the when they're interviewed, they say, "Oh yeah, you forget the cameras are there." After a few minutes, you just get, you know, you just get on with it. You can see players playing up to the camera, and I think that's what's happened in these two games with with the officials. Obviously, the fourth official at Wrexham decided he wanted his uh, his kind of fifteen minutes of fame, and I think that's happened with the with with the ref in this one as well. You know, I think he was, you know, obviously he was shit. But also, I think it's probably got in his head and he's wanted to to be part of the circus. And I think it's possibly, you know, it's possibly colouring people's views on things and, and making them make decisions and do things and act a way that they wouldn't ordinarily. Possibly not not as good a thing for, for the game as, as we maybe think it is. I, I don't believe for one minute that referee's as bad as that performance the other day. He got so many things wrong and obvious, obviously wrong as well. I mean... Yeah, their their um, possession stats increased second half. I don't think they'd have had anywhere near as much ball second half had it not been for that penalty because the tails were up from the fans, the tails were up on the pitch yeah. and it made a massive difference to the next 10-15 minutes of that game. The penalty that he didn't give for us was handball. as clear a blatant handball as you will ever see. You, you would have been happy with that save. You I would have been happy with that save. All right, great stop. You can't have your hands away from your body. It's like it's, it's been said millions of times, but they were even doing it on the commentary on telly, like going, Oh, well, he's quite close. I'm like, well, Fuck off, it's a pen. Considering it's, the first one started on the halfway line, and that it shows to... you how bad a decision that was. That Norwood, who when you see him, is just the most composed, obviously, he's very composed on the ball, but when you see him interviewed, when you see him on the pitch. Never loses his rag, never gets wound up. He's always he almost plays with like a smirk on his face. No, he's always got almost like a smug, a smug grin on his face all the time. And he was absolutely apoplectic that we didn't get that pen. And that's, and that's that's not like him at all. Well, Egan got booked for dissent, didn't he? Because he he'd had enough of a Mullins play acting with a backing in. And then going down at the when he felt the basically what Billy Sharp's been doing for twenty years, um, and the thing is he was giving all those free kicks on Mullen for backing in and going down, and Sharp didn't get a single one, and he sometimes we're getting ragged at floor. But we got penalised for staying on our feet the number of times, and Jai McAtee as he pulled away, we're getting clipped at, pulled back, and but he kept going, and he never took them back and warned them or booked them. But the first time one of us does it, and they hit the ground, it's a yellow card. Happened with Berger towards the end. That um, where the kids tried to swipe 
and Jai's legs as he's running away past him on the halfway line is the most blatant kick you will see on a football pitch. And it's right in front of the ref. The ref looked at it and you saw him look to go and give it and he played on because of the fact that we got the ball and we were attacking. I don't understand how one player can get sent off for doing something like that, having seen by the fourth official and the referee on the pitch sees something exactly the same, if not worse, and does nothing about it. I, I can't get my... It doesn't make sense. It's just... It's there was that great little photo shot going round from based on It's Always Sunny Philadelphia, you know, the, the intro, and it says, the gang by a referee. And I shared it and hinted at... Because obviously the gang in, in Philadelphia are always, have got really antisocial, horrible people. So I just put, you know, Rex and are the gang, antisocial traits, dishonesty, narcissism, aggression... And I've got some right, you know, I've been accused of slander by the Wrexham fans. And the best one today was, if we had bought the referee, this is, oh, by the way, this is from an Olympic weightlifter, so I'm not going to argue with him. He's Welsh <laughs> Commonwealth Games, an Olympic weightlifter. <laughs> he would have won you Dingler. Now, Dingler's a new one on me, but uh, maybe it's to their detriment that, given all the help they had, they still didn't win. Yeah, I mean, I find... All this sort of like these documentaries and stuff, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because I think I'm in a position now where I love Ryan Reynolds and Rob McKenney, but I really don't like Wrexham. And I don't bear them sort of any, like, I don't bear them any bad feeling for investing in a football club and doing it. But the sort of trans transformation of a club from being like a nothing to like thinking the big time Charlies. It's just, I don't know. They've got like a league one budget, if not like a low championship budget in, in national league. And the fans are going on like it's a fairy tale and they're doing it the right way. It's, I don't know. It just, it's just not. It's very not do you know what? The game's over. We've beaten them. You know, they've got the face on whatever, but I've got no strong feelings now. Good luck to them. But it's certainly not the fairy tale that the whole the media are making it out to be. It's not like it's not Wimbledon in the late 70s, early 80s, where they're coming apart a non-league with no budget and they're buying players for a set of tracksuits and they're getting to the top flight and winning the FA Cup with a collection of you know rejects, journeymen and non-leaguers. It's it's a million miles away from that sort of fairy tale. Um, it's 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 not it's not like it's not financial doping. Oh, maybe it is financial doping at that level, um, but it's certainly not the fairy tale that the the, the the national media are making it out to be. Well, it's just it's just rich people who've got too much money playing with something that and, and giving something an unfair. I don't know. I think there'd be a lot more. Gr- It'd be less favor if it wasn't two nice blokes who were very popular through their what they've made their money doing in their careers. I mean, I'm talking about Reynolds post the rom coms, like the sort of like Deadpool stuff, particularly. But like, like they're gonna just get looked on a lot more favorably than if it was some investment from Saudi Arabia, for example, or or some or. They'd be oh well, it's more more dirty money, human rights, blah blah blah. But like I don't know, it just. However, we... however, we could be sitting here in six months' time, and if Dozy ten, if Dozy ends up buying us, and, and he turns out to be as rich as Croesus, then 
we could be sitting here doing a, a championship version of Wrexham, enjoying financial doping at our level. We we could be reaping the benefits of having a wealthy owner who's ploughing billions and billions into us. Well, Sheffield United fans have always been and always will be a complete set of moronic idiots anyway. So we don't need any money to give us ideas of grandeur. We'll just be a bit more louder than we were. But we do like Guinness. Hey, I fucking love Guinness. So I'm, and I love Fagans. I love. I hate Guinness. It tastes like liquid fagash. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell Dozy. Can I just say the last thing on 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 Wrexham then was after Simon Jordan and I got really sharp. Dan, your tweet killed me this week. Well, your tweet back to Simon Jordan. It just, I, the thing is, he's, 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 I don't understand why he was so. A, I don't understand why he was so unhappy about what Sharp says because this is a man who makes his life from makes his living from talksport, spouting off with unpopular opinions. But obviously, the bit that he's referring to is the fact that he, what did I refer to him as a wee sports looking prick? Yeah, he does. He looks like one of the background characters on Wee Sports. If anyone's got a Wii now, turn Wii on, play one of the games, I guarantee one of the characters in the background bouncing up and down will look like Simon Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) You said it, I was like, yep. TalkSport, but TalkSport have got like, he's he's sort of like, he's he's brought on us to be like the considered one, isn't he? And then the fucking nut jobs, like Bongaro, who said that Casemiro should be arrested for GBH. For what he did to Will Hughes. And even on Match It Daily, when you look at the other angle, he's just got his hands on his shoulders. <laughs> Go, oh, it's GBH, he should be arrested. Uh, very funny. And then obviously Jamie O'R is the, the real absolute weapon that they wheel out. But Simon Jordan, fuck him. Fuck Wrexham. United won, played well. And one thing I would say, actually, more say about football in it than we probably have done... Berger and Armadozovic getting the goal and playing pretty well could be a real good turning point for those two. And if those two's performances increase, our performances will increase because they're both very good. Yeah, definitely. When they when they when they when they fancy it. And um yeah, I've slagged Berger off a lot, but that was a bit better. So let's hope. It's uh, a change for the better. So dozy then, gents. Who knows what to believe? It's been an interesting few days, hasn't it? Um, I mean, shortly before we recorded this, in fact, 35 minutes before, and we've got 27, 28 minutes of video to watch, there was the interview on... Precise timings for me and there, so you know exactly when he saw it. (laughs) Well, no, but it was, wasn't it? One of those things, we we said we recorded at eight, and what was it, 20, 20 past when Luke sent it through? So, you know, we... It, and it was so it was a case of just having a listen. And I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of stories, a lot of stories about his businesses, a lot of st- suggestions about his own wealth. I'm not sure that interview today gives us a huge amount of clarity. It clarifies some of the business points around the airline. Um, and obviously, COVID hitting and how he set it up and what he's done since. He spoke well about his business. He referred to being liquid but I'm not really sure the evidence he gave back that up and he spoke about what he wants to do 
when he comes in. But again, it was all a lot of words, but it was quite limited. And I guess, you know, he's, he knows he's under, well, he thinks he's under some sort of NDA. And obviously it leaking, I think, has just led to him to want to make some sort of statement to, to try and show what he believes should be the positive light some of these things should be viewed in. I don't know, Phil. Well, I've, I've, not, I've not had a chance to have a listen to it yet. So what's he said in terms of like plans for as and when he does take over? Has he, has he given any kind of firm hints to that sort of idea? So that was kind of asked twice in two, two sort of slightly different ways. Uh, and he first talked about the infrastructure. He wants to get the hotel back up and running and he wants to uh, invest in the training ground and th- things like that he talked about. And then... Uh, Rio Ferdinand asked him specifically about Berger and Njai staying and what what he'd want to do in the terms of those going forward. And he, he talked about because they're really good players, effectively he was saying we need to back them by putting really good players around them. So he's kind of talked, I mean, it, it makes sense the sort of things he was talking about, but the the key part of the interview for me was he was asked about how he's funding this. So is it going to be self-funded with his own money? Is he buying it with through um, one of his businesses as an offset? Is he taking out a loan against the club to buy a club like what happened about his own businesses and, and how his businesses have made money and things like that? So it would be interesting to know a little bit more. He clearly wanted to say more, but couldn't talk too much about the actual deal. But he did say things will start becoming a little bit clearer as and when he's got he's passed this test that the EFL are going on um, doing at the moment. So I think me, Ian and I both said the same thing. He said a lot without really giving much away at all. He seemed confident in his ability to pass the test and give it the EFL everything they needed, that came across, I think. So although he couldn't talk timeline because it's in the EFL's hands, he feels he's answered everything they've asked of him and he's an open book if they want other things from him. So, you know, he 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 came across as a quite... In, I think he came across really measured, um, confident. Um, little bits of... There were bits in there that... You know, you might dismiss his PR puff. So, young three-year-old Dozy the second, he's got his Sheffield United flip. He's in United gear from flip flops to his baseball cap. Oh God, is that William Warnock? <laughs> yeah, William Warnock the second, um, and then his daughters as likewise. And he said he he said he he, he supported the Super Eagles, so he supported the national side, but he always said he would never support a club told his wife he would never support a club until he actually owned a club and that would be the first club he supported. So he's done a lot with grassroots football in, in Africa and he talked about a pre-season tournament that he sponsors that's huge over there. Um, Christ, ultimately... all the blades going over to... <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of blades checking Skyscanner for flights to Lagos. For pre-season. Right. He's, 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 buying, he's buying a plane for these corporates, so... Uh, Alan, Alan, Alan Picard will be uh, booking one of the Tingo. I can't it's called now. Is it Blue Stream or something? In these this joint venture set up over there, but yeah, one of the Tingo Blue Stream, whatever it was, jets to go over to the preseason tournament. But no, it in all seriousness, he he, he talked well into. I mean, he's clearly he's clearly a businessman with a social conscience to him for some of the things he is doing. But ultimately, he's a businessman who's making money out of it as well. 
So I think we just have to wait and see. It's no surprise that there was like a bit of a hatchet job came out about him. And I think the truth will be somewhere between the sort of how much liquid cash he's got or whatever and people saying, oh, nobody, very rarely people get a lot of money by being 100% not involved in a few schemes that maybe or maybe aren't a little bit... A little bit weird, a little bit woo, but like you know, like the fact that he talks about the um, that he talks about sort of the grassroots stuff, and he talks about how like the first sort of mention of him was talking about like infrastructure within a community to let the club flourish and stuff. We get a little bit of that with some money. That'll be all right. He, he talked about getting the fans involved as well, didn't he, Phil? Quite a, a few he, times. Yeah. yeah he said they don't, they don't have my phone number. He said. So I've got about eight or nine businesses to run, but he said he's on about opening up and, and getting fan involvement and probably some element of fan ownership down the line wouldn't be averse to that. Yeah, I took it as um, potential investment in the club. And, mm. um, but quite what that looks like, I'm really? not too yeah, sure. But yeah, he did talk about that a few this? times, didn't he? This is your chance to get four blades in the pub to have a voice on the board at Sheffield United. <laughs> Certainly wouldn't go that far, mate. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be involved whatsoever. I'd rather just complain about it from afar and have a pint of Guinness. I'll do that part that he recommends. But like, uh, well, as he said, he, 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 his big selling point was he came to Sheffield six months ago and had a pint of Guinness, and he, he liked he liked the there was it was the vibe, not the vibe of the city, the energy, the energy of the city. So we can't decide if he was in Fagans or where he was having his pint. But he, he got some sort of positive views. I think the interesting thing was what was he doing in Sheffield at that point? Because the club wasn't for sale. So what, what are the connections to Sheffield at that point? It'd be quite interesting to know. What brought him in? Prince, Prince laid him on an all expenses paid trip. Because um, well, I think he'd been interested in Palace or something. Palace was one he'd shown an interest in at one point. He just said it never got off the ground, didn't it? Yeah. He had an interest in Palace and it never really got off the ground. But I don't know. We'll just we'll see what happens over the next, sort of, as we said last time we were speaking, really. The next few weeks and months are going to be quite interesting and it will happen when it happens, if it, if it does. And we can't change it. We can't do anything about it. If it does, we'll just have to going to it with his eyes wide open and hopefully it turns out well but either way it'll give us plenty to talk yeah. about <laughs> if nothing else it's going to be good pod content isn't it yeah. and that's and that's what we are all about good good pod content now we're back to actually doing them so is there any other final thoughts on Dozy? like you say it'd be like you say we, I think it's a case of just have to wait and see don't we we don't know. We don't know what it looks like. He's he's said a lot of positive things. The devil's going to be all in the detail, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. But we need to put someone in the World Cup squad. So Dan, I think you're probably the best person to introduce this because you share a birthday ish with him. Very close. Yeah, very close. Um, his birthday is one day away from mine. His first name's Brian. And his second name's Marwood. No, I'm kidding. 
It is actually Brian Marwood's birthday today. Happy happy birthday, Brian, and uh, and thank you for that last minute winner at Everton. Uh, but no, obviously it's it's Brian Dean. Um, it's Brian Dean. Obviously, everyone who knows me knows he's my absolute idol when it comes to United. The best player I've ever seen at United. The best striker I've ever seen at United. Um, he's an absolute shoe in for this World Cup squad for me, um, and he's a player who I've said before if he played. If he played these days, it would be worth scary amounts of money. Absolutely underappreciated for what he was at the time, kind of labelled as a bit of a target man, but infinitely, infinitely more to his game than that. I think the thing for me with Brian Dean as well is I'm not sure he ever really, still in his younger days, appreciated how good he was. Like I say, and coming through at Donny and coming through with the Blades... He he was always quite quiet, unassuming. So lovely um, spoken, aren't you, Brian? Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, really looking but, forward to playing today. But, but that's not, but that's not a bad thing. If you look at this day and age, where we've just talked about some of the players and the way they carry themselves at other clubs. You know, I I remember going. I remember buying a video at the club shop. The Brian Dean story went down and got it signed by him. And it was just, it was just dead chuffed to, that people were coming down and and buying it and interested in him. And then some bugger nicked it in a burger and never replaced it. But um, so one burger not, not gonna... stole best of Brian Dean. You got sorry. You got burgled and they nicked off with a Brian Dean video. They stole all my United videos. The the girls I was sharing a house with lost jewelry and everything. And I lost me United videos. <laughs> I'm quite interested to know about the fact you were sharing a house with multiple women as well, but maybe that's a four blades that's, after that's... dark special coming in the next That's how we got back. Do you, want to come back and, do you want to come back and see me Brian Dean video as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't live there, we just won't let them leave. <laughs> <laughs> it just took a dark turn. Thank you. I mean, as if I'm going to just let that just 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 wash over the conversation that <laughs> you were able to burgle that they stole the Brian Dean DVD, but second video, and secondly, in a house full of women. Humble. Was it VHS or Betamax? <laughs> VHS. I'm not. I'm not that old. I mean, you can't get very far with a sack full of VHS. Anyway, but then I was the other thing I was going to say as well when. You, I was fortunate enough to speak to him a couple of times when I was doing the United View blog and did a couple of interviews, one when he was in Norway and one before that, just on his time at United. And he's no different, you know, um, and probably just, probably in some ways, maybe wishes he'd played a bit later and might have, like you say, Dan, would have probably got some recognition because he, he, he was quick with his feet, he could play out wide, he drifted out wide and could put a great cross. You wanted him to be on the end of his own crosses. Yeah, yeah. Often. Um, I mean, Phil, I'm sure you've got some good memories as well. Yeah, I mean, so Dino played for United while I was still living down south, so I didn't get to see him as much as what you two did. But uh, So being brought up where I was, I was literally the only blade in the village where where I was brought up, but I'd be banging on about how good this player was, and it wasn't until 
sort of much later when I, I used to go back after I'd moved up to Sheffield, some of my friends had come come sort of and say talk about Brian Dean saying, actually, we've seen him play since and he was a much better footballer than what he was perceived to be. So it was always quite interesting seeing it from the outsider. But what I do remember of him is he had he seemed to have everything. He was really good in the air. He could bully defenders if he needed to. He'd got great feet. He could shoot. He was quick. And like you say, his crossing ability... If he could get him on the end of his own crosses, he'd have scored Christ knows how many goals. But yeah. um, it just a question that's just kind of struck me a little bit. Did, is there many players that we've ever signed three times? Billy Sharp. It's the only um, other one I could think of. Billy Sharp. Well, but he did. Uh, we were willing him to. Was it? Who did he come on against when he, he signed for the third time and he had a header saved late on, didn't he? Oh, it was in the end of the Warnock season, wasn't it? Leicester. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was confused because he was at Leicester. No, it no, wasn't Leicester. Right it was Leicester. against someone like Cardiff or Millwall or someone like that. But I, I can remember it, he'd got a header at the, at the back post and if it had gone in, I think the place would have just gone crackers if it had come back and on his third debut and scored and but it wasn't to be, I think it might have been Neil Etheridge saved it or someone like that. But if we talked last week about the fact that Njaye and, and Berger could have potentially gone on transfer deadline day, that broke my heart when he left to go to Benfica him and Fjort off on the same day because he was ripping that, whatever it was called, then championship apart that season, wasn't he? The Nationwide Football League Division One. Yeah, he was, uh, I was obviously privy to that and the, less glamorous third spell and I remember the genuine excitement my dad had when we signed him again it was like it was like oh my god he's come back he's going to be a serious bit because I was first time round I was like two or three when he first started playing for United and then obviously didn't see it but him and Fiotov just like iconic duo from like my youth and then they both went at the same day and I think I don't think United will, and I don't think any club's ever sold two absolute prize assets like that. And that's that 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 squad as well. We had like Cajuro, Marcelo. I think we got Saunders in as a sort of replacement, didn't Taylor we? and Saunders were there at the same time as well. Like the the absolute abundance of strikers we had. Unreal. All good in different ways. And like for Brian Dean as well, you can't Benfica's some move from the well from the championship, isn't it? It's some move to go to like one of, if not the biggest club in Portugal. Ironic Dino went there and Fjortov went to Barnsley, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you, you think about some of the goals he scored as well. I mean, he's he scored obviously well, obviously the first Premier League goal he scored in a, in Sheffield Derby's. You know, the one through Chris Wood's legs will always stick with me. Yeah, love that one. Brilliant. But actually, he scored a goal that if it had been the Sky era, we would be seeing on repeat. And that's the goal against Liverpool where Grobelar comes yeah. out. And it comes back to that point about him being more than just a target man. His quickness of feet to get the ball out from under his feet, to drag it to one side, to tee it up, and then to launch it with the perfection he did, as Steve Nichol was running back towards the cop and trying to jump to head it on the line, and it got between crossbar and well, Steve Nichol wasn't the biggest mind, but got between Steve Nichol's head and the crossbar, perfectly flighted ball. 
it's the kind of goal that, like say, in a different time, gets shown time and time again. But obviously football then was on goals on Sunday for 25 minutes on Yorkshire TV or Granada TV. And it wasn't, it wasn't really shown nationally. No, he, he should have he he should have had more caps for England as well, shouldn't he? I mean, he I think he two or three he got, but he was a bit played, unfortunate with who was around. Played him. in an era where there was yeah. a, there was a fair few players, you know, there was a decent crop of strikers around that time. You know, like you you had Ian Wright around that time and stuff like that, and you just just starting to Lineker. come into his own and um, Lineker Shearer and yeah, even even Erster, other side at City. Love him rating was a good striker for a long period. It's just yeah, I, I, they both played. They both played. They played alongside each other, didn't they? For an, was it England B down at Walsall? Yeah, Hurston yeah. And Dean played up front together, didn't they? I remember. I remember the excitement of because I don't think a United player would, like, wouldn't have been capped in my lifetime. I remember the excitement of watching um, BBC One Saturday lunchtime highlights of England in New Zealand. Yeah, to watch him. And, and, you know, the highlights, in the 20 minutes, whatever it was, it was short highlights, didn't see much of it. But just the excitement of knowing that a player from United was playing for England. Brilliant. I mean, that's that's the thing, isn't it? That That's sort of like one of... You, you know you're in a good... You probably know you're in a very good p- period of supporting your club when you've got players in the England squad. Uh, and it's not something that's happened very many times in our history. I think things are to believe. O'Connell maybe was in with an outside chance when we before COVID, wasn't he? But like, I, I think, think he's more likely to be next Marvel movie now. I've been seeing them photos of him um, that he put on Instagram this week. What, what, what do you reckon he's hinting at, by the way? There has been rumours of him being close to getting back on the grass, as Eki likes to say. Yeah, I mean, that could mean all, can it? I mean, you know, yeah. Paul Eckingbottom, Lieutenant Dan is back <laughs> on the grass. He's got no fucking legs, Paul. I can't grasp though. <laughs> I mean, he, he put like um, like a cell emoji, not a set, like some sort of science emoji. She has my intelligence there. It's like a it? DNA thing, wasn't it? DNA thing. And someone was like, well, he's definitely having a baby. I don't think there's been a single, <laughs> been a single baby reveal ever. Where somebody goes, exciting news soon. DNA, like or or, or starting his own Jurassic Park <laughs> in Liverpool. Yeah, <laughs> we digressed again, haven't we? Jurassic. Shock. This is Jurassic Park. Jack O'Connell. In the thickest Scouse accent, introducing all the animals. I'd love to hear him say stuff like Triceratops and stuff in a thick Scouse accent. I think it'd sound really funny. Yeah. How did uh, we get here from Brian Dean? <laughs> doesn't matter, but we're here now. In England caps somehow, I think. Oh, yeah. What's everyone's <laughs> favourite everyone's favorite dinosaur? Any dinosaur blaze players? No? Anyway. Um, but yeah, Dino, absolute. Mark Bunn had little arms. <laughs> try, try, Ceratops. Oh, yeah, I shouldn't have asked that, should I? Try Della's tops. There you go. Try Della's tops. Nice, good work. Yeah, love it. Um, just thought one. I'm not saying that loud. So, <laughs> Dean, Dean is in the squad. Top striker, definitely, probably going to be starting with Gibbs White and then Jai playing off him. Can you imagine that? 
Imagine it's how bad, four. It's not like. a bad front three, that is it? Not is it? <laughs> Seems to say this every week, but Morgan Gibbs White looks every bit at home playing in the Premier League, doesn't he? He's looking fabulous. Found he's really found his feet now, hasn't he? Yeah, it's really annoying that Forrest are doing well, isn't it? I was talking to a Forest fan a few weeks ago when we were, obviously we were, I think we were top at the time and they were bottom. And I kind of joked and said, look, you know, we'll take your place in Premier League and we'll take Gibbs White off you for what you paid for him. And he said, his words were, you can have him, he's shit. And then obviously since then, he's just kicked on uh, and he's getting rave reviews everywhere, isn't he? which is like you say, it's really fucking annoying. Yeah. I mean... I think everyone's always hated Forrest a little bit, but really cranked up at the end of last season, especially St. Gargoyle. Because we could have had Cooper, I genuinely think, but anyway, that's a different story for another day. But, you know, another um, another game on Saturday against Swansea. So Dean's in the squad, and we've not really talked much about Swansea. So we've got a, a less offensive Welsh side um, coming to the lane and a really good couple of away trips to Swansea one where we stopped over Phil that was a lot of fun people be... uh, it's just a uh, drive back chopper filling a McDonald's cup up with sick in the car on the way back managed to down a full pint of coke and then fill it up with sick I was I was in a different car. I was definitely over the limit, and it's not a short drive back, but it was it was good. We had a good night out, um, and we lost. But Bernie scored, and hopefully he's back in the team on Saturday and scores. So Swansea, I remember last season when we played them, there was a bit of like hyperbole around them, and then they turned up, and we just absolutely walked all over them. We three or four nil without even four nil, wasn't it? Just took the ball even... off them every time they come in our half. They're going to say they, they kept insisting on like playing out front back, playing these really intricate little triangles on the edge of their own box. We just kept taking ball off them and having a shot, like we were mm. bullying a lot of eight year olds on part. Like, give me that ball, right? I'm having a shot. Our press started eight, eight yards out from their goal line that day, didn't it? Yeah, Michael. I think they've lost over Famy to Burnley, haven't they? Yeah, go keep yeah. it away, John. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about that house full of women again. It just made me feel all tidy. And, um, <laughs> no, but in all in all seriousness, like it's it's an opportunity. I think it's an opportunity to get a win on Saturday, and we need to grab it with both hands ahead of a on paper more difficult game on Wednesday. And there's no disrespect to Swansea, but we had a good chat yesterday, Ian, and you were saying in theory should be able to beat them without going too far into second, third gear if we. If we if we show up and finish his chances, absolutely. My, my other thought is on Swansea, and it's tying back into the conversation. You know, the Wrexham fans hate the English, don't want to. You know, very much obviously pro from their country. So I'm sure Swansea fans will be the same on Saturday. If they want, if they want that so much, if Wrexham get promoted, they can go and play in the Welsh Premier, and maybe Swansea and the others want to join them if they hate the English. I'm sure they don't want to play in the English football league. Sorry, I just they've riled me this week. The Welsh. <laughs> They were calling Cooley Bally in English cheap. That made me smile. They're um, they're all a bit upset because they're not allowed to sing Delilah anymore. So that's what's the Wokies have cancelled Delilah, haven't they? So they've they've been reeling from the devastating news that they can't sing that before the egg chasing. These next these next two games should 
should suit us in theory. We're we're worse against teams that sit in and don't don't look to play against us, look to just frustrate us, like 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 Rotherham and teams like that. We look worse against that. Swansea will come and probably I'm not saying they'll be as 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 kind of naive as they were last time, but they'll want a lot of the ball and they'll come to play. And I and I don't think Middlesbrough have got any option next Wednesday. I think that if they if they don't beat us next Wednesday, that kind of it doesn't put them out of it, but it makes their makes their life a hell of a lot more difficult because there's two that'll be two more games that have gone. They're going to need to come and get a result from us next Wednesday, and I think that will suit us. So I'm I'm hoping for a couple of better results and a couple of uh, sorry a couple of better performances and uh, and a couple of good results. To be honest, that's it. Like you say, if we can, assuming assuming. We both, Bulls and Borough, win on Saturday. That means if we beat Borough midweek, we'd be 13 points clear and they'd have 14 games to play. Yeah. So we've got to pick up the best point of a point a game on us. And we've got With a game in hand over him as well. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a huge, it, it's a huge week from, from Saturday to the, to the following Saturday, Millwall away. I think we'll have a, a much, much better idea as to where we're going to be come a week on Saturday. And if we why, can, why are we playing Wednesday next week? Not sorry, not why, not why are we playing Wednesday? Why are we playing on Wednesday? I think a Wednesday playing on Tuesday. Oh, they're home on Tuesday, right? Okay. Well, I, I don't know, but I, I did read no, something think... that we take it in turns now. The one plays on a Wednesday, one plays on a Tuesday, and then they swap for the midweek right. games. But we I mean, not not it suits me. That actually suits me better. But it's, I just wondered why we were playing Wednesday rather than Tuesday. When Wednesday, Morecambe takes precedence. Yeah, Eric's had a word, on not he? Um, but yeah, um, really subtle joke. Hopefully you all picked up on it. Predictions, boys. What are we saying? For I'm the- feeling quite positive. I think we'll win. 2-0. Um, 3-1. 2-1. Two 2-1. Nil. Two nil. So there you go. You know, Four wins. Four wins yeah. in a pub. Four wins in a pub. Four blades in a pub. Brian Dean in a World Cup squad. Plenty of nonsense conversation. Four blades in a pub tonight has been good. I've enjoyed it. Everyone else who's listened has only one thing to say. Up the blades. Up the blades. Up the blades. Up the blades. Up the blades.